Well, good morning, everybody. There's a lot that's happening this week. It's, it's, uh, I wanted to share this because Passion Week is what we call it. it. begins with these palms, these branches that are cut from trees, as Stephen was talking about, and hands raised in praise. And the most important figure in all of history enters the greatest city in all of history for in the first century for the most impactful event to have ever taken place in all of history since creation itself. This event is his story. Jesus' death and resurrection. So this pumps me up because this is what it's all about. So much takes place in Jerusalem this week. Of course, after his triumphant entry on a donkey's colt. So I want to just go over a few highlights here because it's kind of interesting. It's a, you know, when you read the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, the majority of the Gospel of John is, is about this last week. Uh, it's like the, the last, I think the, the last half of the book of John is, is completely engrossed in what happens in the last days of Jesus' life. And a lot takes place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that they describe what is going on. Some of them skip over some things, like I think last week we talked about um, neither of the three synoptic gospels mentioned the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Only John did. And I think that's so interesting and intriguing to me. I don't know why, but I think that's, wow, why, how did they leave that out? And maybe there's a purpose because John did share it, but... So this takes place just prior to this as this triumphant entry takes place because this is where he's headed to. He's headed to that area. And in that surrounding area, Jesus comes into uh, a lot of different um, ministry opportunities. Uh, uh, he heals a blind man. He heals, he, he, there's a leper. There's so much that takes place as this is taking place. This, this week is like just, just compounded with Jesus being awesome. I mean, Jesus... Displaying his glory completely. It's taken place right here, right now. A lot of stuff that happened prior to this week was kind of on the outskirts. Uh, he would do a miracle and it would, he'd say, keep it down low. Keep it on the hush. Of course, they couldn't ever do that. So now it's like, here I am. In all my glory, if you choose to see it, here I am. And it's awesome. So I think that when we highlight this stuff this week is, is uh, I'm just going to, like I said, highlight because there's a lot that happens here. As Jesus catches view of the city, his heart is saddened and he prophesies its destruction that will take place in the very near future. And then he enters this temp the, t the temple and completely disrupts. The corrupt money changers who are exploiting the innocent people who are seeking God in their time of need. This, is, this happens this week. You know, you've heard the story about turning over the money changers' tables, right? That's right now. This happens right then and there. Like he's coming into the temple and he sees the money changers. And what's happening in this, this discourse here is that he sees these people that are exploiting True God seekers, taking their money as a, as a payment for them to be made right with God, exploiting them. Have you ever seen that happen? 
in our day and age? Okay, come on, wake up. Turn the TV on. Turn the TV on. I would say turn it off, but turn the TV on and turn on some, you know, TV preacher. What's he going to do? Almost always ask you for money. I'm not saying anything. Well, except I just did. Uh, I like their message a lot of times, but when there's this exploitation that takes place, there's two words that, that God gave me in the beginning of the pandemic. One is exploitation and one is capitalization. And those two words, they, they can look very similar. They can look extremely like parallel and similar. Um, in other words, there's people, Christians even, even, who exploited people, innocent people, God-fearing people, exploited them to get something that, to their advantage. And then there's people who capitalized on the stuff that was happening, the, the environment, the culture, the, the, the circumstances. But here's where we took, this is the stance we took here as a ministry. And you guys need to know this and you've seen it happen. We capitalized. How? As an opportunity to love. To do more. That's the first thing that I saw. I saw this. God, we are in a position to really bless this city. To really help those in need. We are set up by those, by God actually, to be an actual beacon of help. So we capitalize on the circumstances to just help more. To show God's love even more. That's all we are interested in. So we opened up the doors even wider. I've shared this with you guys a lot. That the city leaders even called me and said, you better not shut down. You cannot shut down. You're more than essential. You're absolutely necessary for our city to survive. I got the calls from uh, multiple city council members, the chief of police, and everybody to say that this is what you got to do. Please. And if there's anything we could do, we'll help you. Did you want us to send out attendance uh, so we can make sure that people get on the road safely and get, get through your uh, uh, system? We'll do that. They even put together a GoFundMe account so we can keep doing it. Like, well, that's so cool to me because it's, they, they see, they saw, they seen that there is a real work here that was capitalizing on the opportunity to love people. Let's go back to Passion Week. So this is interesting. So he says, okay, he turns the table, and then he says what? A, a, famous, a famous phrase. Who knows it? My house is to be what? A house of prayer but you've turned it into a den of robbers, a house of prayer. And then what takes place in the temple, this is interesting. In contrast to that incident, this is so cool. Jesus, Jesus notices something taking place in the temple that he feels so important to highlight, to Note to his disciples. He kind of he sees something happening as people are giving money to the temple. They're giving their tithes and offerings. Okay? As he sees this, he's, he pulls his disciples to him and he says, Hey, I want you to see something. This is one of those times that Jesus sees something happening over here, pulls his disciples in, 
says, look at this. It's a cool thing. I mean, I, I'm thinking, okay, that's something we ought to look at. Hello? If Jesus pulls his followers, who this is the last week of his life, and he says, I want you to see this. And it was a widow. A widow who had had nothing. Think of it as a widow in this day and age is not the same as a widow in our day and age. Because a widow completely depended on her husband to take care of her. Didn't have a governmental system that actually she could tap into Social Security or, or whatever it is that, to help, him, help her out. She needed family to take care of her. And she had no family. And it says this widow walked up to the offering and gave a penny. That's what it was. Literally a penny. Dropped it in. And Jesus says to his disciples, you see that widow? She gave more than everybody else. Because why? Because she gave out of her need. It was her last penny to live on. Everybody else is given out of their abundance. In other words, they have a lot to give and it's nothing for them. But she gave her last penny. She gave more than anybody. That's such a cool thing because that's how Jesus sees the whole thing. He sees us in this whole picture of, of what is it that we're doing is it in this life that actually is making a difference? Is it this grandiose thing that says, okay, here's a here's $1,000, here's a $1 million, or here's a big building, or here's a little building, or here, here's this, or here's that, that looks big and looks grand. And he looks at the smallest thing in our heart, and he says, if you give that, then you give more than anybody in the room. I'm like, that's so awesome. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss that for a moment. Jesus highlighted it and pointed out, so let's catch it, let's receive it, and let's walk that way. Let's do as that widow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by that because as I'm thinking, this is a, a, a small act, a tiny act, but it was so huge for her. So huge for her. Can you even fathom giving your last penny? It, it, we can't even, we, we can't go there, can we? It's a, it's, 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 it's a place that I can't go to in my mind. For one, I'm thinking if I only had a penny, it was my last penny. I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to give it away. I mean, I mean I, I'd have all kinds of financial advisors advising me against that. Not that I have any financial advisors in my life, but if I did have one, he would say, don't do it. So this is something that I think is important to note and takes place this last week. And then Jesus is in a place in the temple surrounded by religious people, Pharisees, because this is where they went to show themselves. And if you think the, the rising of Lazarus from the dead got their attention, this does them in. He rebukes the religious leaders. He re rebukes the religious leaders in Matthew 23, known as the woes. The woes. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I, 
There's a, a few portions of scripture that I, I feel like I, I must read regularly. In other words, at least a couple of times a year. If that's regular, I guess that's regular for me. These portions of scripture. One of them is, is the letters that, that um, are uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. I read those regularly. I, I'm encouraged by those. I, those, are, those bless me. But they also, they also, if I could say the word, they prick me. Because I'm listening to the Holy Spirit saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to hear? And then this, Matthew 23. I read it because I feel like I need to stay true. I need to stay on course. So these woes are interesting. They say, that here's, I'm just going to kind of uh, summarize them. A woe to the Pharisees. And here's what I'm not going to do. Sorry, I keep interrupting myself. <clears throat> I'm not going to use the word they. Why do I not use the word they? Because it's easy for you in your mind to disconnect this from a, a word that we need to hear. Isn't that a word that we, like they over there. Them across the street. I love them across the street, by the way. They're good friends of mine. But I'm not using that word intentionally because I think we might need to hear something. Do not practice what you preach. This is the woes to the religious leaders. Those who make an attempt to honor God with their lips but keep their hearts to themselves. Do not practice what you preach. In other words, there, I I just said it and forgive me, so... Don't say it. I'll say we. We are hard on other people's sins, but we justify our own. We do do our good deeds only when others are watching. I've said this before in a, I think I've preached a whole message on it, is the true you is the one who you are when you are alone. Because who we are in this room in the months of friends and other Christians is, it's, it's a portion of you, but the true you is the one you are when you're by yourself. And so if you, the only time you do good deeds is when there's somebody's in the room to be, to, that'll see it. That's, he says, is what the Pharisees do. And woe to you. Yikes. I like to say it. Gosh, I keep interrupting myself. I'm sorry. But, you know, there's, there's things that I believe that that, our, that scripture teaches us to live like as Christians. And if you, if you want to interrupt me, go ahead, because I keep doing it too. So there's things that we do that I feel like uh, are, are uh, opportunities to practice what we preach. I use this, oh, you guys always know I always take driving there. Because when you're driving, you're by yourself, right? Hello? Most of the time, we're driving by ourselves, sometimes with somebody in the car. And when we're driving, it's the, it's the great place to actually practice being a Christian. You know, being kind, considerate, uh, thoughtful, caring, you know, all those things instead of being, you know, other things. So, so it's the great place. Here's, whenever you go to, like, let's say, a place that has the tip jar. I was, you guys, I've, I've, you've heard me say this one before. How many of you can put money in the tip jar only when they're watching? Or you make it a point to say, well, I want to make sure they see that I put that in there. See, I want to challenge you to try to tip sneakily. 
Sneaky tip. Be a sneaky tipper. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what? Just you, you're doing. I know. I I, I I didn't hear exactly all that you said. So I'm just I'm I'm going on what I think I heard you say. <laughs> yeah. Is. You know, sometimes we want to see, make them see that we have made a tip so that we'll get good service. Hello? What is that for? Then then what did I just do? Yeah, but I just, I I did what Jesus said not to do. He said, if you give to those that can give back to you, what have you done? You're better than nobody else out there. If you love only those that can love you back, what good are you? You're like the heathens. Do you want to be like a heathen? Is that what he said? I want to grow up and be like a heathen today. No. He said, and then Jesus said, that's what the heathens do. What is a heathen anyway? An unbeliever. Somebody who does not follow God and follows their own lusts and passions. And may, only does stuff that is an advantage to them. Lives their lives for themselves. Gosh, that's... I, I was really excited about preaching this message today. I, I need to move on because this stuff's brutal. <laughs> Woe to you who keep others from seeing Jesus and his grace. I think, you know, as Paul put it, it's like when you're putting a stumbling block in front of somebody so that they can't get to Jesus. And that's like, if you think about that, like, oh, that's the last thing any of us want to do, I believe. Woe to you who make your thing more important than God's thing. (laughs) You guys know the phrase that rubs me like chalk on the chalkboard. There's a chalkboard over there. Somebody want to go rub their fingers on the chalkboard? Just start saying, well, my thing is, and that's what it does to me. Like, oh. When somebody like, eh, well, here's my thing. My mom did it this last week. It's like, mom, stop with the my thing thing. She's like, but it's my thing, and I need to let it, you know it's my thing. I'm like, mom, I like your thing, but don't worry about it. Like, that's the, you know, make sure. And then so I'd like, mom, don't make me preach at you. So you got to make sure your thing is God's thing. Because if it's not God's thing, then it's just your thing. And that is no thing. So we want to. Be doing the God thing, right? But that's what a Pharisee does is they make, basically, and how he said it is you, you put your traditions ahead of, or they precede God's word, God's laws, God's ways. When your, your traditions take precedence over God's message. This one's kind of a interesting to talk about. I think this is, this is another woe. This is in the midst of, like I said, the last week. Woe to you who strain at gnats, but swallow camels. What does that even mean? Okay. Um, that's close. Um, sort of like, yeah. I'll take sort of like the splinter in the eye when, when you got a log. In, splinter in your brother's eye when you got a log hanging out of your eye. Yeah. It's similar in like... extreme grossness, if you will, a gross exaggeration that Jesus uses because you strain at a gnat and swallow, I mean, swallow a camel? Really? For one, that's like, how do you do that? But but here's what he's saying is, is, 
you, you focus on the things that really are not important and focus on the things that, instead of focusing on the things that are big and important in your life. And it's the heart issues. It's the heart issues. Can I say it like very, like, a simple thing? I'll just use a simple illustration. Look at the way he's dressed. He came to church in flip-flops. He didn't put his Sunday best on. How dishonoring to God to not put your Sunday best on. Hello? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, you know, there aren't too many churches. In fact, I would say there's probably not even, I'm going out on a limb here. There's probably not even one church in the state of California that requires... Sunday best anymore. I, I'm probably wrong because I'm sure there's some. But you get into the Bible Belt Midwest area, it's like, oh dear, look out. You wearing your Sunday best. Yeah. And I've only been to church there one time and experienced it one time in my life. When I went to Oklahoma City and went to the big Sunday best church and it was like, whoo dear, you had to wear it. And in fact, I didn't have it. And I, I am not joking, a church of, and it was Robin's old church, 3,000 people, huge. I am not exaggerating. I was the only guy there that didn't have a suit and tie on. The only male in the building without a suit and tie. I was dressed like this. <laughs> Big time. Anyway, that's, but straining at gnats and swallowing camels, he said, that's what the Pharisees do. Woe to you. Says, and here's the last one I think is kind of like, a, um, is where he talks about the, uh, 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 you, you wash the outside of the cup, but you pay no attention to the filth on the inside of the cup. He says, and, and this is how I would word it. You cover sin, excuse sin, you diminish sin, and you justify sin instead of simply repenting of sin. So during Jesus' last week, he also tells these three awesome parables. Parables of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable, which is kind of sort of a parable, but it's a parable that's more of an illustration of a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. I would sum it up with three, three easy statements. Stay ready, stay busy, and stay real. Stay ready, stay busy, and stay real. And he tells these parables at the end of his life as it's nearing. There's also good stuff in the end of his life. This is where I wanted to get to. Jesus is anointed by Mary. You guys remember the Mary, the Mary, the sister of Martha, the two sisters of Lazarus, who Jesus had just raised from the dead after being in the grave for four days. Well, this sister, he's, he's visiting this home during this week that he's in Passion Week. He's visiting their home. They invited him over for supper. Who knows, he might have been staying there still after he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. He might have just been hanging out there. That's what I would do. I'd hang out there, right? This is a good place to hang out because there was once a dead man and now he's alive. There's a party going on. There's celebration. Talk about a birthday party. Hello? This is it. 
And Jesus is sitting there and Mary takes this expensive oil that's, that's very aromatic and, and takes this expensive oil and actually anoints his entire body with it. Just pours it all over him and rubs it all over his head and just lets it flow down him. I'm thinking, how did that happen? I mean, he's just sitting there and all of a sudden she just walks up and goes, Poop, hey, look at it. No, I think there's something that took place there that was so beautiful and so absolutely glorious that Jesus knew it was happening because Jesus even said that, in fact, uh, if you remember that the little uh, conversation that takes place, uh, Judas gets upset. He gets upset because this, is, this amount of oil was expensive. We're talking a year's worth of wages. I mean, if, if, you, if you take however what kind of era you live in, let's say our era right now, and I know, you know, when I was growing up, in other words, I've grown up now. <laughs> you know, if a man made $40,000 a year, he was doing well. So I'm thinking $40,000, that's good. You know, nowadays it's double that, okay? So you're talking, let's say, in our era, in our day, an eighty dollars to $100,000 bottle of oil. Like, wow, that's expensive. And Judas gets upset at it, and he says, oh, man, look at this waste. Of course, you know, kind of little, little uh, writing between the lines says, well, he just cared about the money. That was, that was uh, John's interpretation of what Judas was doing. But he, she anoints him with oil. I'm just thinking of this, this beautiful thing that takes place. And the aroma filled the room. And he said, no, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect. Because Judas said, well, we could have given that money to the poor. He said, nah. And this is where we get the statement, the poor you're always going to have with you. They're always going to be around, but this moment is now. And I think that speaks so much to what we uh, need to hear even today. It's like there, there's a moment that God may place you in that is now. And that sacrifice to be made is now. And we must step into it and trust that, that even the cost that it may take is now, but I need to obey. And it says that what she has done here today will never be forgotten. I, I mean, that's, that's huge. We're talking for all eternity, that act of obedience will never be forgotten. How cool is that? And I'm thinking, how cool is that? But how cool is that that God puts us in positions to capitalize on an opportunity to do something that is, could be amazing, it could be simple, or it could be huge, that could never be forgotten because we obey right now. That's so cool. I don't know why that's just a cool thing, even though it seemed like it was just a small little thing that happened, but it's an amazing thing. And he even said that she's actually anointing my body for what's ahead. Giving him refreshment. Giving him that which he needed. The strength, the courage, the power. All that was going to take place that he knew was going to take place. And she was preparing him to go through it. How cool is that? That's awesome. 
he also washes his disciples' feet this week in order to teach them, not just more than teach them, but to show them, to show them to love and serve one another. And then in John 17, he prays for his disciples. And we get the most amazing prayer recorded in Scripture. Prayer for his disciples. That's us too. Hello? I want you to hear this. Prayer for his disciples is for us. He prays a prayer for us 2,000 years ago. And it's recorded in John chapter 17. Go home and read it and receive it, believe it, and let that prayer take fruition in your life. Because it's real and it's good and it's true. And I'm thinking if Jesus prayed a prayer, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a good prayer. Amen? Amen? So back to Jesus' triumphant entry. You know, <laughs> this morning as we were praising the Lord, worshiping God, it, I went to that place for a moment, Jesus writing in. There's an overwhelming gladness of the hearts of those who saw Jesus as their Savior so much so it caused an eruption of praise that they could not be silenced. I, I, I mean, just think about it like, just whoom, here he is in the room and praise erupts. Worship just takes place automatically. They could not keep silent. Hosanna in the highest. Here is our Messiah. He is King of Kings in the room right here, right now. That's so awesome because it's something that, that you know, as, as the religious leaders heard all this commotion and praise and all these declarations of a Messiah and a king, they got really upset. Really upset. They didn't get upset at the people. They got upset at Jesus. How dare you let them blasphemy like that? <laughs> And the phrase that I think is so, like, if we can't hear this, like, let's hear it now. If they, if they, my followers, are silenced, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will praise my name. What? I mean, Jesus said a lot of really awesome stuff. But to make a statement like that, like, does your physical mind, I'm, I'm talking about the one you think with, you know? Hello? Thinkers in the room? One or two? Okay. Can you even fathom what that would look like? I mean, rocks. It, just think about it, like boulders doing some Holy Ghost hop. Boom, boom, boom. I'm thinking, that's awesome. I don't know why. I, I think I'd want to see that. Hello? Uh, you know, some trees uprooting and doing the Holy Ghost dance, you know. Doing, like, I think I would really like to see that. That would make YouTube material, don't you think? <laughs> but here's the awesome thing, and I want to read this because here's what he says. And I, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture in Psalm 118. So we could just really go here this morning. And I, there's, <laughs> okay, before I read this, let's, 
I, just, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to really notice something in you right now. When you actually engage in praise, what I mean by it is like you actually participate in it. You actually, there's a hands lifted. If that bothers you, then go like this. But a voice spoken. Um, and if something causes you to move inside, it's just like there's something that's taking place that's more than just a voice spoken and a hands raised. And, a, and, and there's something inside that's taking place in your soul that, that is beyond description other than it's called refreshing, healing, and renewing. There's a, a wellness that's happening inside of your soul that... Did you notice it this morning as we were lifting our hands and, and, and our voices were shouting praise? Did you catch yourself if, thinking about uh, you know, the, the news that was out there, uh, you know, the war that's going on, the, the, the viruses that can take place, the, even, the, even the stuff like you know, the, 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 the scores of the, of the game or... or or the bills that got, needed to get paid, if you even caught attention to it, the pain in your physical body that you're feeling at that moment was either a distant shadow or even completely gone. Did you catch that? Did you catch it? It's real powerful because when we praise God he comes in and when he's in the room life happens <laughs> so much so that he's that declaration that he made is like isn't one that likes to say if they keep silent in other words it was it was a rhetorical statement in other words they can't my followers cannot keep silent why because I'm here and when I'm here, praise happens. And when I'm in the room, when praise happens, life takes form. So much so that even an inanimate object like a rock will start to bounce. That's so cool. Sorry for using the word cool a lot today, but it's so cool. Psalm 118. Let me read that. If you dare, uh, oh, oh my gosh, Holy Spirit, it's really, this is going to be good, going to be good. Swing wide, oh, Psalm 118, starting verse 19, sorry I didn't tell you where, <laughs> so, I, I, swing wide, you gates of righteousness, let me pass through and I will enter into God's presence to worship only him. I have found the gateway to God, the pathway to his presence. For all his devoted lovers, I will offer all my loving praise to you. And I thank you so much for you answering my prayer and bringing me salvation. The very stone the Masons rejected as flawed has turned out to be the most important capstone of the arch. Holding up the very house of God, 
The Lord himself is the one who has done this. And it's so amazing, so marvelous to see. This is the very day of the Lord that brings gladness and joy, filling our hearts with glee. Oh God, please come and save us again. Bring us your breakthrough victory. Blessed is the one who comes to us, the sent one of the Lord. And from within the temple, we cry, we bless you. We bless you. For the Lord our God has brought us his glory light. I offer him my life in joyous sacrifice. Tied tightly to your altar, I will bring praise for you are the God of my life. And I lift you high, exalting you to the highest place. So let's keep on giving our thanks to God for he is good. His constant tender love lasts forever. Amen. Noel and worship team, if you guys come up here, because here's where we're just going to finish up here. And although I said it before, I sure would like to witness boulders and trees suddenly breaking out in praise and a Holy Ghost hop. But I say, we keep them quiet for as long as we have breath. We keep those stones silent for as long as we have breath because we will praise the Lord. We will praise the Lord. He is alive. Jesus is alive and well. He is the truth. He is the way to God for all nations, all peoples. He is eternal life for all who trust him. He is the sacrifice for all sins for all who believe. He actually died in my place. He is risen from the dead and reigns over all. He is greater in me than he that is in the world. Amen and hallelujah to that. He is more powerful than all the world rulers. He is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. He is greater treasure than all the riches of the world. He is my everlasting joy. He is my internal peace. He is coming again to claim his bride. Thank you, Jesus. Let us worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.